Welcome to Hey Miss. This is Dee Dee. And Mary. And today we're going to talk to you about one of my favourite... I'm such a nerd for Shakespeare. One of my, I've given it away. For my favourite Shakespeare play, mm. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet, oof. People roll their eyes and I legitimately love this play so much. <laughs> I just really lean into the dick jokes and... Um, yeah, for sure. You know, just like when you really think about it, it's it's kind of screwy and I, I love that. But that's why I like it. Also, we're back at my house, Dee Dee's house, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got a fancy setup today though. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm in like a fancy velvet chair, mm-hmm. you're in a fancy dust chair, but more, more fancily, mm-hmm. fancier. We have a special new microphone. It's changing colours like the sunset. It's legitimately the prettiest thing I've ever seen. We just got it and plugged it in, and we're freaking out because we have to use a new (laughs) program to record on it. (laughs) And we're like, so we don't know what's happening. Uh, So this might be amazing. I think it's going to be much clearer. Uh, Yeah, I think it's going to sound awesome. Although, now I have a sneaking suspicion that we tried to use our old recording program and it recorded using the laptop microphones. And I'm just like, have we been recording using just my laptop mic this whole time instead of the old camera we are? Potentially. But since we're back at my house, that means you will potentially hear my dogs come in. And uh, we've already had to pause once because my dogs are being legit. I mean... In great Shakespearean fashion, <laughs> Monty came in, um, delivered the most eloquent soliloquy I've heard all day. Yeah, which, uh, if I can do an impersonation, was like, that sounds like a cat. That sounded like a cat. It was more like, <laughs> <laughs> he was so loud. And the irony is that he used to be so quiet. So quiet. Somehow, in his old, old, uh, his he's, elderly distinguished gentleman. Yeah, he's he really leaning into the husky. I feel like he's he's like, you know, what's the male version of a Karen? Like, I want to speak to your manager. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like, okay, that. I don't, okay, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever they are. That's that's who he is. And we got sidetracked. Um, but we're in the second week of holidays. Oh, yeah. So, so I got Mary into a show called From, which is on Stan. Whoa. And if you haven't seen it, you need to go and watch it. And also, just randomly, linking to Romeo and Juliet, the guy who's the main character in From, um... He plays a character called Boyd. He played Mercutio in Baz Luhrmann's adaptation of Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Plus Juliet. So, yeah. He's so, really I'm great. loving it. I keep calling him Mercutio, which is yeah, so it stupid, is very confusing. I love him. He was also in Lost. Yeah. Which I always forget. Yeah. Um, and I always forget his name, and I'm literally doing the quickest Google <laughs> uh, right now, so amazing. I can tell you his name. Really good show, if you like. Harold Perrineau. Perry- I always, nice. I always go. Oh, how do I say his last name? Um, he, yeah, it's a really great show. Good mystery. It's um, like, it's like creepy. I think it's like a scary movie, but it's split up into like lots yeah. of little mini things. But I was invested. It's, it's I told you it's good. It's good. It? So ba- the premise, which I'm getting carried away, but my very loose tie to him playing Mickey show. You get stuck in this town that's mm-hmm. like with monsters in it. Mm-hmm. And they come from all over America. It doesn't matter where you are. You come somehow end up down the same highway as someone from Boston. Could be someone in Texas. You end up on the same highway, even if you're in a completely different state place mm-hmm. you end up in this town you get stuck there and it feels like de- deja vu because you keep driving the same road yeah like and the you, same keep, petrol station. you keep coming back through and you get stuck and then the premise is like everyone ends up stuck in this town yeah. and uh they don't know why there's no way to get out there's monsters there that come out after dark mm-hmm. um, so and stay inside Lucky yeah windows. they have like these special runes and stuff like that keep you safe and 
this new family kind of come in they become like they're not even really the main characters but they're like the reason to the premise of starting the show this new family gets stuck yeah and it's really really interesting it's so called good. from you should go suss it out so Mary just finished watching that. Yeah. Oh my lord, so good. It's yeah. Uh, they've just renewed it for season two, but it's not coming out till like twenty twenty three. Yeah. So there's uh, quite a long a bit way. Of a way. So, so yeah, you could binge it. The, like, the episodes are like an hour long, so it's yeah. kind of like watching almost a movie. Yeah. Every time. It's it's so good. The, I was so invested though, and yeah. my husband kept walking in and was just like, "What the hell are you watching?" I'm like, "Sure." So the first ten minutes of the first episode, you'll be like, "Holy crap!" And then kind of the next 15, 20 is quite slow going as they mm-hmm. introduce new family. So you just got to get the first ten minutes. You're like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And the next twenty minutes is like setting up the premise. So you have to get through that twenty minutes. But yeah. once you get past it, yeah. just hit you in the face. Good job. Yeah. Just when you think you're safe. Oh. Layer upon layer. It's like an onion. It's like an onion of TV shows. Ogres <laughs> are like onions. Um, anyway, so that's what Mary's been watching. I'm so glad you watched it. Yeah. I have been watching One Piece, the <laughs> anime, which has, I believe, as of my Googling last night, 1,013 episodes. Oof. And we're up to episode like 48. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, um, but I am really upset because I got super invested in, so normally you skip the intro. No, of One Piece, I love the thing. Like, <laughs> the song was so fun, and I would like, sing along. Come along, do to do all your hopes and dreams. It was just great. I loved it. And then suddenly, episode forty-seven, I was like, "What happened to my? Where's my song?" And they changed it. And then I was like googling it frantically, like, "Does it come back?" Nope, not until episode one thousand when they bring it back as like a. Here's a throwback. <laughs> so now I skip the credits. Like I skip the intro. <laughs> like you do. I'm so I'm mad about it. <laughs> It's really, it's like really fun and lighthearted, and a little bit of blasphemy. I do listen to it in English rather than the original Japanese. But things like Demon Slayer and um, oh my god, I can't remember the other like uh, My Hero Academia and stuff. At first, we were listening to in Japanese mm. because their voices are so different. Yeah. But this one, because it's so kind of like silly and lighthearted, I was like, I like to be able to put it on and then not have to pay 100% attention to it. Yeah. So we've been listening to it in English, and the students in my class were aghast. Yeah, yeah. They were I like, that am is... shocked on a pole. Yes. And I am on a chair that can turn around and I will turn my back on you, except I cannot be bothered. And also, then you'll be away from the microphone. Although it is very spanky, so it probably could. So. It's very fancy. Very fancy. And I still haven't started reading with that. Oh my <laughs> so god. I still have my other book and I got distracted by Assassin's Creed. And um, that's, I don't really have an excuse, but my plan was yesterday I'll do my uni work. Then I'll read my best. And what I did was, I did my uni work, and then I played video games. Okay, yeah, I get that. I've been binge watching the boys, and then occasionally opening my laptop, having a bit of existential dread, and closing yeah. it again. You know. Also, the boys is so good. So messed up, but so good. Gory. I love it. Sorry. Before we get carried away talking about the rest of our TV shows, so Romeo and Julia, probably like, maybe not the most famous, but probably the most adapted. Yeah play that William Shakespeare ever Shakespeare. Wrote. Oh wait, yes. So a Eureka kid many years ago was like, who I wrote William Shakespeare in the books. Kid asked me how how do you spell Shakespeare? Because I was writing, I don't know, a title down or something. And I wrote it on the board and this kid was like, who is like Shakespeare? And literally <laughs> every kid in the class was like, You what now? Get get out. I was like, are you I thought they were being funny. Yeah. No, no, they were. Oh. Yeah, that's upsetting. One kid did think he was being funny and be like, oh, so like, will I am for the Black Eyed Peas? And that dates that quote because who cares about the Black Eyed exactly. Peas anymore? Yeah. Um, so Romeo Juliet was written in 1595, so 
legitimately so long, like a long so time long ago. ago. Um, and something I didn't realize until I was like, oh, just like do a little bit. Like most of the things about, I pride myself on knowing quite a bit about this play. But the one thing I didn't know was it was so popular when they first released it that they published it twice. Once in 1597 and then once in 1599. But it had been, had been being performed kind of like quite um, continuously and has been performed continuously literally since it came out. Yeah. I, I can't imagine a time when someone was like, oh no, we don't care about Romeo Juliet. Yeah, it's uh, very much, it's a very popular story. And like you said, it's been adapted a lot um, into lots of different forms and, and movies. It's a musical. Yeah. West so, Side Story. Yeah, you've got West Side Story. You've got, of course, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo <laughs> plus Juliet. Franco Zeffirelli. You've got, like, Romeo and Juliet. You've got <laughs> you always Warm Bodies, which is, like, the zombie version. It's legit. We watched it at the end of last year, the year before. I was like, Warm Bodies is Romeo and Juliet. And I'm like, what? And like, his name is R. And uh-huh. her name is Julie. They have a balcony scene. Uh-huh. It's, it's a forbidden like, love because... He's a fucking zombie. <laughs> it's her boyfriend's brains. That also. I mean, that doesn't happen. And that's not even a spoiler because that like, happens like at the beginning. Yeah, that's like right there. It's also a novel, which I find hilarious. Yeah. I feel like I, I almost felt like, you know how, oh God, was it Fifty Shades of Grey was like some trashy, mm-hmm. and yes, it's trashy. It's the worst thing I've ever read. Um, like a trashy fan fiction of Twilight, mm-hmm. which itself was a trashy, trashy young adult novel. Yeah. I almost felt like Warm Bodies was not trashy because it's more clever, but I felt like it was almost like a fan fiction of Romeo yeah, and Juliet. Because yeah. as soon as I read it, I'm like, this is Shakespeare. Because yeah. it's like, it, you know, zombies are popular. Why not just do just Romeo and Juliet, it. but like oh, zombies? Like the Lion King is Hamlet. Yeah. I love that. It's so good. Um, so Shakespeare had this poem that he really loved, which was called The Tragicals, but with two L's. But my computer immediately corrected it to be so probably tragical history of Romeus and Juliet which is by a guy called Arthur Brooks he was Italian and that was you actually oh oh thank you Siri and that dated back to a novella that was called I have to get this right it's like Mariotto and Giannosa and I have no idea if the plots are similar but I didn't know the novella bit I knew the poem yeah. part and so the poem was inspired by this novella hmm. so that hit like you know people are forever boring yeah and from people Nothing's original anymore. No, and also there's like you know Taylor Swift wrote a song that's yeah. actually Romeo and Juliet, so, yeah. um, which is and if Taylor Swift sings about it, then it must be legit. Exactly. And like <laughs> I watched the film clip with my year nines to explain intertextuality um, and explain like you know Romeo and Juliet was the original text. Okay, the, this is essentially the plot. When we're watching the film clip, what are you noticing? Like, there's yeah. literally a balcony. There's literally all of these symbols so that funny. are from Romeo and Juliet in this song, which is about a forbidden love, like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it was just like, oh my god, it's, it's so obvious. And then, like, oh my, when I, you explain warm bodies to them, like, his name is uh, her name is Julie. They have a balcony. They've been loved with zombies, and you must be like, oh my god. And one of the kids was like, now if I'm watching this, I'm like telling my parents that it's Romeo and Juliet, apparently her mum was real bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear about your Shakespeare. Shut up, I'm trying to watch a love story with a zombie and a human, which is a weird sentence. That is a sentence I did not think I would hear today. Um, so lots of people ask me when they hear I'm an English teacher, like, oh, do you still have to teach like Shakespeare and stuff? And I go, yeah. I don't, well, I guess you don't really technically have to, though it's on like the, the course for like, studies and stuff in year 12, but like, how is that even still relevant? Well, I, I don't know about all of the other Shakespeare plays, maybe not like the histories and stuff, but yeah. 
Romeo and Julia is like relevant AF yeah. for like teenagers. Yeah. It's like, you know, forbidden love, angsty teenagers, like raging hormones. Family drama. Family drama. Oh my god, like parents, will they just like lay off? Like, you can't tell me you like a love. I'm in love, Mama. <laughs> like, mama. Oh, thanks, um, thanks. You know, like, yeah, ragey hormones. But also, it kind of gives you this, like, kind of healthy message that, like, not all love ends happily ever after, which is what, like, like, you watch a rom-com, you kind of get this, like, unhealthy expectation, yeah, especially Disney. as a woman. Or as, yeah, and Disney, like, of what love is going to be like. It's going to be perfect. You get married, you live happily ever after. And this plays, like, you know what? Some love is doomed, destined, whatever, mm-hmm. to fail. Sometimes you're not supposed to be together. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't end <laughs> as badly as Romeo and Juliet. But no. I mean, that ends spectacularly. Yes. Badly. And also what we should have said at the beginning was we're probably going to split this in two because mm-hmm. one is, a lot. it's a massive play. It yeah. has five acts in it. And also if we're going to do analysis, it it's long one the plot is really long and then yeah. if we're going to give you like analysis of techniques and thematic stuff then it's probably going to take us a while so today we're going to kind of look at we're giving you some historical context yeah. of what the world was like because teenagers are like why didn't she just tell her dad she doesn't want to do that so okay well, you, you couldn't and we'll explain yeah. to you why so we're going to give you context we're going to introduce you to the characters not every single character so you might still hear some names later like oh balthazar where did he come from so he's a nobody yeah. okay Messenger boy, whatever. Yeah, we'll give you like main characters and we're going to give you what seems like a very simplified plot analysis. Yeah. It's like very simple compared to the actual plot. Monday took a Friday. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so we're going to split into two and then we were talking and we might actually do like an author thing and we'll introduce you to Will I Am Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, at, a, at another time. So we haven't really given you any information about the bard himself. Yeah. Um, so, starting off with that context, um, so, at the time, it was essentially towards the beginning of the Renaissance, um, the rebirth of all the things, and it was, um, it was a time. It was a time. It was a time. It was a, it was a I mean, time. you know, we were still shitting in a pot, in like a pot, yep. and throwing it out the window. Throwing it out the window, and which you know, is a coral and um, rats, and you know, all sorts of fun sanitation. Where well, we didn't bathe and we washed our clothes in vinegar and stuff, and camphor, yep. I believe. Yeah, which yep. would have smelt so bad. Just get so so bad. Um, ew. Yeah. So it was society was complicated but, as it is now. Yeah. But Shakespeare was kind of like challenging the society that he lived in but he was kind of doing it with like tongue-in-cheek challenging people but also having the excuse of but it's just a play it's just yeah. fiction so if you take it's a just art it, it's art darling. yeah it's art darling so you can you know back up and be like oh no it's just a play i'm not really criticizing you queen or king mm-hmm. or whoever was on the throne at the time it was a queen by the way yeah um so society was heavily patriarchal mm-hmm so the men were in charge, which is what kids, especially today, get like real mad about. And like, have we really moved on? Yeah, I mean, really. if you have a look at America right now, I don't. They kind know. of. I feel like they're back there. And yeah. um, so society had really strict moral values that mm-hmm. were uh, kind of given out to you by the church. Yep. And we'll get into religion in a little bit because there was like a big war going on. Oh yeah. Um, but basically, that strict moral, moral moral values, and it didn't matter if it went against what you wanted or what you potentially thought yourself that was too bad so sad you did you had to follow follow these moral values yeah. that the church had kind of set out or yeah there wasn't really such a thing as like free will or such no and or you would be dishonoring your family which yeah. was like a massive you don't want to do that no massive deal so patriarchal basically means um 
run by men. Father was head of the household to the point where he controlled everybody in the house. Yep. Children were seen as property yep. and were quite often used as pawns to gain political or financial advantage. Mm -hmm. Like you could get married off because your dad wanted yep. to make a financial contract with whoever. Yeah, that like we want a relationship them. with this family, so I'm going to marry you off to this yep. person. Yeah. Um, because they're, they're a good match for us. Yeah, it was crazy. Not you, us. Yeah, so it didn't, As really, a family. It didn't really matter, especially if you were a daughter, like, yeah. because you had no potential to go out into the world and earn your own way or... Yeah. Joys of having a vagina. Yeah. You mean nothing. I mean, again, uh, let's America. make the links to today. America. America. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it was quite an interesting time women were particularly like powerless um they had their domestic role in the household they were mothers caregivers wives and that was pretty much it you weren't really allowed to do much no. else outside of your the only house. authority and i use quote air uh, quotation marks yeah was like if you were the wife or mother who ran the house mm. you were in charge of running the house because that was all you were kind of good for and that's what daughters were raised to learn mm -hmm. And but you had and that authority was basically unless your husband overruled you. So yeah. and he probably wouldn't overrule you running the house because that was women's work. Yeah, it's your domain. Yeah, but if you no, wanted, you understand the kitchen better than I do. I do you're constantly in there making sandwiches. So um, and then and especially if you were kind of like wealthy, yeah. you were actually running the house because you would have servants to I was tell say, what to and do. You would have people under you. Same. Also, especially if you were rich, like you didn't even have a breastfeed during children, you could just get a wet nurse. Wicked. Instead, I mean. Brilliant. I don't just, latch onto my boobies. Just the term wet nurse does just fills me with all the whole car. just child rearing in general. I'm like, yeah, not keen, not for cool. me. Um, so for example, in the play, a character called Lady Montague, basically she runs the house. Like, yeah. you, especially if you watch the Basil movie, you see her. Yeah. But she has absolutely no authority. No. She's barely in the film. She's just there to be pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. yeah. She's there, and then she like they don't even. <laughs> She doesn't even like die on the screen. Like you barely see her. Lady Montague, you see like in the car, and you basically never see her again. Yeah. Juliet's mother, you see a couple more times, but mm -hmm. they they literally have no impact on the outcome of the play, basically no. at all. Pretty much, she could she could pretty much not exist. She could have died yeah. in childbirth, and it wouldn't have made any difference. It would have made no difference whatsoever. Um, as opposed to Nurse, who actually kind of is a little bit more significant mm. as a character, which is really interesting. Actually. Yeah. Um, and she is the wet nurse for um, Juliet. Yeah, for Juliet. Yeah. So they've got a close bond, probably closer than her and her mother. Well, because if you just there around, you're, <laughs> you're tied for life. Tied for life. Um, so the play, you got to remember that. And one of the things that you have to explain to your students, or if you're a student listening to this, that you have to understand is that these plays were not written or made to be read like you're probably reading them in class. Yeah. They're made to be watched visually. Mm -hmm. Performed. So yeah, they're, they're made for performances. So you have to remember that um, you reading it the way you're reading it in class is not how Shakespeare meant for it to be. Consumed. Yeah, it's not how it's meant to be. No. So if you sit and watch Romeo and Juliet, if you ever have the chance to go and see it, um, especially if you see like the original adaptation, it's like it, it suddenly makes a lot more sense when you visually watch yeah um and so yeah it's taking its cues from the world of the theater at the time so lots of modern adaptations cut out lots of little short comedic scenes because they're like oh it takes away from the tragedy of the play 
like the tension but that was literally the idea of those things yeah. like the dick jokes yeah. um the bit where they're arguing about what music to play and they're having like the kitchen hands are having a fight or something yeah the biting of thumbs all that sort yeah, of stuff yeah people cut stuff out yeah they're like oh we don't need to see them talking about the preparations for the wedding but it's meant to literally give the audience a chance to like <sighs> have a have a, have a break yeah because be like it's oh. for long because oh, okay. the way we watch things now, we're, we're kind of like, a, not attention whores, but we're like entertainment whores. Like, we need well, that's to the be thing. entertained like, all the time. You'll start a, a film study and the students will be like, so what happens? It's like, just watch. Yeah, just let it just get to the end. Just watch your eyes. Like, it's um, a two-hour movie. We'll yeah. get there. And so the play is three hours. Yeah. And they literally tell you in the chorus, there's now the three hours traffic on that stage. And we wouldn't normally sit down and watch, if you're watching a three-hour movie, me as a person i would have to be like i need to go to the toilet yeah. um oh my god i haven't checked my phone for two hours get me um, a super-sized drink like i have to something. like oh god so yeah um and then of course the other thing is that um women were not allowed to perform on the stage so um you it know, was young boys, it was young boys whose, whose voices haven't broken yet who were playing the female roles which is always lovely which i would i would like to see now and I feel like it would be like frowned upon though, but like actually see a young boy doing that mm-hmm. part to be like, this is what it was actually like. Yeah. So one of the things that I found really interesting when I first kind of studied Romeo and Juliet, doing my English lit degree at uni was, you know, um, Shakespeare knew that mm. when he was writing the play. So he spends a lot of time describing how beautiful Juliet is because mm-hmm. when you're looking at this, say 12, 13, I mean, when do boys' voices break out and over, looking at this young kid play Juliet or play men playing women if they're supposed to be these not saying men can't be beautiful but supposed to be these very feminine at the time beautiful women like if this is a woman that is capturing the attention of a man whorish like Romeo (laughs) who wants to stick his thing in anything that walks yeah like she's got to be Edward's so beautiful. Yeah, so and, and part of it now is like we are kind of a bit lazy where we watch movies, we need everything to be laid out in front of us. Yeah. But when you went and watched these plays, you still had to use your brain because, yes, all right, Juliet was being played by, say, this 12 year old boy. But you had to immerse yourself in it and, and act like, no, no, this is, this is Juliet. Yes, I feel like you had to be more engaged in what you were yeah. watching. Yeah. Um, where now you just be like, oh, I need to see everything in front of me exactly as it is. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting. Um, and the place set in Italy, Verona, where we set our scene, mm-hmm. as he says. Um, and something I did actually think about, except for his history plays, mm-hmm. nearly all of his plays are set in Italy, yeah. not in England. Yeah. And I can't remember which one. I think it's The Merry Wives of Windsor. It's like the only one that's set in contemporary England. Mm-hmm. And of course, the history is obviously England, but yeah. previous. And that was the safest way to critique his yeah. worlds by going, oh, it's not even set in England. And like, even Macbeth is Scottish. <laughs> Yeah, Scottish. Scottish. Um, and he also had this like he was. People were complaining that the rest of Europe were having too much influence on England. Yeah, which is hilariously funny because England was out conquering people everywhere. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, oh, Italy's having too much of a negative influence on England, and that also is like part of it as well like Just look amazing. at these italian people they're the worst <laughs> it's like oh oh no i don't oh. actually think italian people are the worst just to be very clear um <laughs> yeah so it gave him freedom to be like oh it's not even said in england it's in italy so i don't know what you're talking about yeah elizabeth it's not me it's no. mine <laughs> um so yeah quite quite interesting in terms of the time period um 
is also really interesting because in terms of England at the time, we had this conflict kind of between Christianity in and the Catholics. corner! And we had the Protestants in the other corner. I remember learning that it was pronounced Protestants because yeah. I always said as a kid, Protestants? Protestants. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, Protestants. <laughs> I, was, I didn't realize the words were the same for ages. I can't remember how old I was, and I was like, but it's spelled Protestant. Yeah. And I remember someone being like, yeah, well, you pronounce it Protestant. And so for ages, I didn't realize the words protest. were the same. Yeah. Like, I didn't know they were the same word because yeah, the word looks and sounds so different. Yeah, fair. Protestant. <laughs> so um, you had these two kind of conflicting spheres. You had Queen Elizabeth, um, who was a Protestant, um, and didn't want to acknowledge the authority of the Pope, but um, Catholicism was like the primary religion of the because time. Because she came in and she yeah. was like a Protestant. Yeah. But Catholic, the Catholicism, also such hard work for me to say anyway, <laughs> was like, that was the religion. Yeah. And then she was like, no, 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 we're Protestants We believe my now. thing now. <laughs> and so... Which I love that. Boss lady just yeah, coming in like, with her pale face being like, bitches, please. And so she was I got just rough, like, I got she's got like, oh, yeah, nah, we're, we're Protestants in England now. Yeah, we're Protestants. But <laughs> most people were Catholic. We're still Catholic. And we're like... And then being told like, but, but, well, you're, we're Protestants now. So there was this like weird <laughs> kind of like fight going on. So Catholicism was the main religion, but the Protestant church had the power because that was the church that Queen Elizabeth had bestowed with power. Yeah. Um, so it was very confusing. Very. Um, and like, and, and to, I don't know if it's like to this day, but I know in Ireland there was like a big thing oh, yeah. between like the Catholics and the Protestants as well. Yeah. Um, I could tell you the ins and outs of it, but it's still like a... It's, it still can be pretty contentious in yeah, some yeah. parts. And it's still, there's still fights in yes. some parts. And I, I don't really understand the nuance of it it's so I, I would have yeah there's a lot there's I a mean lot the kids just kind of need to know there was some contention around religion yeah and that of course is reflected in a couple of Shakespeare's characters so like Fry Lawrence who you hear about later he represents Catholic priests mm-hmm. and so people who were Protestants were like suspicious of Catholic priests now like oh Which they're they totally should have been I mean as we know now. as we know now perhaps um i've got to learn to put my phone on silent before we start um so basically they thought he represents the fact that they thought the catholic church was going to interfere mm-hmm. politically because yeah. the church has had so much power politically yeah um in european politics so not just england but all of europe yeah which could have been a disaster for england which was now protestant mm-hmm. it's very confusing but it's kind of in there so friar lawrence when we get to it the character just can't but obviously that's reflective of the the context so these are all the things that it's really important for the kids to know Mm. also randomly dueling was a thing yes very much how dare you sir you're a cat and i challenge you to a duel at dawn Mm -hmm. that's a slap across the face that noise yeah and it was like super common like it happens a lot especially in the higher classes also yes that was class this is class system i mean we still have constantly have phrase with those and less the lower the lower, lower class. you know those guys I so they, my yeah, so it was like a super common way for yeah. people to get injured or die yeah and um, so we didn't have doctors because we didn't understand bodies and also it was I think and then at one point it became ali- like illegal like they frowned upon it but people still did it and people would turn a blind eye yeah and so you would like have to find a doctor who was happy to help you um kind of like not I guess technically illegally but 
you know, oh, they died dueling and you could get into trouble, but people knew that it happened. It was really weird. So Shakespeare was like, hey guys, this is dumb. <laughs> like, um, Makes fun of a lot. It's good. Yeah. And he's like, this dueling idea is stupid and uh, you shouldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Even if it's super popular. And he also brings in, well, he mostly wrote about rich people, really, yeah. which I guess for like... The general public would maybe like to live in this fantasy world where you watch yeah the other i mean there's a reason why people that. watch the kardashians there's a Ugh. reason why pe- i don't but there's a reason why people do and there's a reason why we just like to watch from us from this side eat our popcorn and, and it's the idea dream. of like oh my god are these what rich people have problems with oh wow <laughs> i'm starving to death but, <laughs> but like uh, that's why people were so obsessed with this um Oh, what was her name? The girl who married the Prince of Sweden or something. She was like a straight man. Mm. Also, Megan Markle. I mean, she wasn't a nobody, but she's a black woman, a woman of colour, mm-hmm. who married into a, a family who colonised half of the planet, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and was heavily involved in some racist... Notoriously Genocide, like... Yep. And she is now in the family we know that hasn't really worked out for her i'm i'm team megan markle yeah by the way um i'm not saying she's perfect but come on um but like that's why people were so obsessed with this love story because you're like oh she's one of us even though she was like a an actress an actress with money yeah on a super famous thing but oh and when that woman from australia married the prince was it the prince of denmark maybe yeah sweden i mean like oh my god she literally was like her family was still reasonably well off but um Oh, maybe this romantic love story of marrying into royalty could happen. So that's why yeah. you worried about rich people a lot, and you could put your mm, commoner daily life aside of whatever. But he also did have were. servants, and he did have people like yeah, and they were, and like the nurses are commoner. She's lower like, class. She's great, yeah. and they have like, and he does kind of show like the different classes, even though they're not yeah. on the same level. He does actually have like, and a lot of the lower class characters are the characters you like the best because yeah. they're the most real. They're funny. They're interesting. Yeah. like they're the ones that actually call out the bullshit. They're the ones they're that are like, vapid. guys, guys, this is silly. Yeah. Also, like, thank you. Maybe you shouldn't do that. That's what's, a dumb what's idea. What's that? The person without an education is calling you out on your bullshit when you're like so smart and so rich. And also, it's maybe you should just listen because yeah, because they totally got it going on. So class system, big deal. Um, something that they need to know about as well. I would spend some time kind of having a look at what those classes were. Because you obviously had the nobility who were the top. Then you had, yeah. like, the upper class. Yeah. And then the middle class didn't really exist. No. Like... There was a big drop, kind of. Like, yeah. <laughs> the middle middle class is, like, when I say recent invention, I'm not talking, like, in the last 10 years or so, but, like, uh, the working class, middle class is kind of, like, a modern thing. You're yeah. either upper class or you were down the bottom yeah there was like farmers and stuff were still counted as lower class yeah. even though they um because they had to rely on their patrons and people who are in the land and stuff so yeah you literally you were there were the haves and there were the have-nots pretty much and you were in one or the other yes and um, so we're going to tell you about the main characters and <laughs> i okay let's start with romeo because he's the first in the title okay. i'm going to tell you straight out i hate this guy I think, okay, I just picture him as, like, the typical, like, emo boy of the ooze. Typical emo boy with his 
love of poetry, his incessant poetry, his need to pen himself. Oh, stop it. Oh, boy. Um, he's like super emotional. Like, he's. I feel he's, like he sounds like my dog in the background right yeah, now. Yeah, he's like woeful. He's like, oh my god, I'm so in love, but she just doesn't love me back. Like Monty. Like, he's like so in love right with now. us, but we just don't. We're like, no, I'm, not petting, right my, I'm petting myself away in the study. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I'm keeping myself chaste until marriage. Yeah, I just don't want you, and you should take no for an answer. What's that? You can't? Oh, good times for me. Fine, keep obsessing about me. Freak. So, they, the, Romeo's age isn't defined in the text, no. but lots of people accept him to be probably 16 to 17, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Um, you can take your cues from the way he speaks. So basically, he is very immature and very kind of like spontaneous, like impulsive almost. Like he mm-hmm. he falls in love like this, yeah, and like, like he falls out of love immediately. He, it, like at the start of the play, he is absolutely head over heels in love with Russell. In lust. In love. Yeah, he and wants that's to have the, sex and with that's her. the issue. He's not in love. He's in lust. He yeah. doesn't. He likes the idea of love. He doesn't actually know what it means. Yeah. He just wants to have sex with her, and, and she doesn't want to give it up. No, she's like, I'm not. I'm not king. I like that. She's a smart woman. My favorite thing is explaining to the students. Like he lists the ways that he's tried to convince this girl. I'm assuming girl. I'm assuming she's younger than him or the same age to be with him and he's like I've bribed her I've mm-hmm. offered her money mm-hmm. I've written her poetry mm-hmm. um, she poems me nothing and she's just like if you don't yeah, play drums no. man you just may as well get yeah, it yeah she doesn't want to know about it so his character is like kind of the opposite of Juliet's a little bit so like he's impulsive and immature and kind of like running around doing his own thing and kind of big kind of like almost not ignoring his family but kind of not super worried about what his family's involved in yeah because the Montagues, Romeo Montague, so the Montagues are his family, they hate the Capulets for reasons that we never discover. It's like a long-lasting feud. That's, That's all been we going know. ages. From ancient grudge yeah. breaks to new mutiny. So they've been fighting for ages, and then recently they've started fighting again. Yeah. So we have Romeo. I just find him douchey. He is douchey. I can't. Douchey as hell. He makes me... That's why, in my mind, he's just like a sad little emo boy. Yeah. Although he is played Leonardo by Leonardo DiCaprio in... Basil's adaptation, which I think gives him a little bit nu- more nuance. He makes him less his tolerant than yeah. he is in the play. Yeah. So if you watch the Basil Woman version, you're like, oh, he doesn't seem that bad. What are you talking about? In the play, in the play, he is a wank. So <laughs> so painful. And then like on the other side of that, you've got Juliet, who yeah. is twelve on the verge of turning thirteen. Oh God, she yes, is twelve a turning thirteen. Baby, she's a little bit a bebe, and yet she is pretty mature yeah. considering her age. That's, and you've got to be like, and the, the key term is like considering her age because she makes some stupid decisions. Yeah. But she's a baby. She'd been like year seven. Yeah. And that's the thing is like the kids that you're often doing this with are year 10. So they're like 15, yeah. 16. They're a little bit younger than Ruby or about the same age. Yeah. And it's like you imagine, say, I say, always tell them, imagining someone you know when you're 11 and they are in love with someone you know when you're seven and they decide to go and get married and they freak out. They're like, what the hell? I'm like, this yeah, is that is this is what here. is happening here. And part of the context that you we didn't mention, but you could get married. Yeah. Younger than that. So again, your property. You can be married yeah. whenever your parents say something. So although I did I was like, oh I think feel like it happened a lot, but usually it was a little bit older than Juliet. Yeah. It was they kind of moved away from marrying off 10, 11 year olds because people were living a tiny bit longer, but like And they were also waiting for women to have bloomed to yes, have had their first period be because you you've got to have babies and also That's your whole purpose. this whole idea of puberty happening earlier is like again yeah. the last 50 to 100 years kind of thing so when this was like you 
like maybe you'd get married like 15 yeah like probably but in Juliet's mother actually says I was a mother much on your age so about the same she so Juliet's mum is young she's like yeah. 26 27 yeah um which is which is funny because in the movie oh in the movie in the movie they age everybody yeah to be fair so Juliet is like this she's still headstrong very headstrong um but you know she she listens to her family at least at the beginning yeah but she kind of ends up being she's kind of like a bit of like a feminist character really yeah. she ends up standing up for herself going against her family even knowing what it's going to mean mm-hmm. um it backfires on her spectacularly oh yeah but she gives it a go so there's also this little message there of maybe, maybe this is what happens if you go against your family like yeah. you can try but bad things happen so i appreciate juliet mm-hmm. but i do find it weird still icks me to be like she's a baby yeah she is a baby what i love though is when he's trying to slather on the whole like hey baby yeah she's like no no she's like okay if you are serious about me you go to the priest you organize Mm -hmm. our marriage and okay i put a ring on this finger and okay and i'm just i know and i'm just like oh oh dang yeah i mean she may be 12 but she knows what she wants like she also knows that women's reputations which i think they talk about in one of the monologues is like yeah. so easily marred oh yeah like just the whisper you didn't even have to have proof just the whisper of shame or which is one of the reasons you couldn't go anywhere by yourself because uh-huh. anyone whispered a reputation you were done yeah you needed a shot like that was it yeah and um, so we go to paris now i don't know paris's age but if he's it's doing, like early 20s yeah if he's doing business dealings with her father you at least yeah. know he's, he's going to be political yeah. yeah, so Paris is related to another character called Princess Gallus. Um, and he is basically introduced as the, like, uh, her dad's going to marry, or he asked to marry Juliet. And her dad is like, yes, but she's a little bit young, maybe we'll wait a couple of years. And yeah. um, at, at first, that changes later, but he's kind of introduced as Verona's flower. Mm-hmm. He's really handsome. Yep. He's a man of wax. He's... Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone looks up to him. So yeah. he seems like he's supposed to be presented as a stand-up guy. Oh, yeah. He's a snag. Such yeah. a new age guy. He's, yeah. he's pretty... And nice. nothing really happens in the play to kind of discount that. There's exactly. a long conversation that makes me like, oh, you're a douche when he talks about her being his wife. Yeah. But again, again, moment of the time, like he doesn't really say anything yeah. inappropriate. No. Um, so he's kind of introduced as this... Like, this is the guy she's originally going to marry. And then, of course, Romeo ruins her father's plans. Uh-huh. It's still icky if you think about his early 20s and she's, like, 12 turning 13. Yeah. And you're like, ugh. And that's the thing. Like, these age differences don't matter down the track. It's But when you're, like, underage, quite significant. Imagine this now. Like, it's if you're like, hey, so I'm going to marry that dude. He's, like, early 20s and I'm 13. I'm calling the police. That's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. Um, my um, favorite character. Oh, same. Mercutio. I love him. And like we were talking about, he, the dude, Harold Perrineau is just like, he's so good. Plays him so well. I just he's love him just so much. Beautiful. Um, so he's kind of a little bit of a comedic character. He's a bit of a dreamer. Um, he's also so quick-witted and yeah. so clever. So, so clever. And just like one of those people who can fight. No matter what you say, they've got to come back and it'll be witty and uh-huh. smart. And you're like, hey! I think I've just been assaulted. Yeah, but he's he's also got Romeo's back. Like he yeah, is absolutely. so loyal to Romeo, even though Romeo dogs the boys. Yeah, I gotta say it. He does absolutely does. He dogs the boys, and for a hint of getting it, 
Makushu is like, yeah. So I've read studies. I say studies. I've read like scholarly articles where people like, if you wrote this Makushu character now, they would probably write him as being schizophrenic. Yeah. Because he his mood changes on this dime. Yeah. He does this massive speech about the Queen of Fairies, Queen Mab. Yeah. And he kind of, and he is this dreamer, but it, it kind of seems like something else. One, that's just like reading into things. Yeah. Who knows? But it does seem like there's an underlying mental illness or something there. Or, or something there. And of course, nobody would. No. Nothing like that existed back then, obviously. But he is this like quick-witted, really funny, um, super intelligent character who you wonder how, like, well, I wonder how he could have been friends with Romeo. Because yeah. Romeo is such an idiot. And Mercutio's versions of love... Mm. Or interpretation of love is so different. Like he finds he gets impatient with Romeo. He's like, Why are you talking like that? You sound like an idiot. Yeah. And he pays him out a lot, which he I does. enjoy. Same. And I love that he's like, my dude, there's plenty of efficiency. Yeah, like just you just need to, you need to just calm down. Let's just move on. You're calling um, it love and come on. He is, he's also quick tempered. Yes. Like really quick tempered. Oh yeah. So he just like, highly emotional. Damn. But I'm not fired in way. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, emotional different way. He's like now I'm real mad. Yeah. Um, Whereas Romeo he, will just go pen himself in his, in his bed. He pens himself in his chair and makes him himself an artificial nut. I just love that so much. Of like, it is, he's definitely an emo boy. Yeah, he shuts like, himself up and puts all these window curtains down. He's like, I just stand here. I'm like, if he could, he would have totally just closed his windows. Like the listen to some fringe. Yeah, just listen to some like red jumpsuit. My chemical romance. My chemical romance. And just like. I'm not dissing those bands. And just like cried his eyes out. Yeah. So then. So Mercutio is not related to Romeo, no. but he calls him a kinsman because he's loyal to the family. Yeah. Um, he's related to Princess Gallus, who we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But then you have Benvolio. He is another one of Romeo's best friends, but also his cousin. Yeah. Benvolio, yeah. Benvolio is kind of like contrasted with another character who I just realized I left off my list, Tibble, who will do that. Because <laughs> I was like, how did I leave him off? He's another one of my favorites. <laughs> Benvolio is patient yeah. and kind of steadfast. Mm-hmm. Um not as quick-witted as Mikishio. I'm not saying he's stupid, but he does come across... The way he's portrayed in the plays and the movies a bit like, duh, I'm yeah. not saying he's stupid, but they kind of portray him yeah. that way. I feel like to be a bit of a foil to Mikishio and yeah. Romeo, who are so fiery. Yeah. But they do have a thing about their volumes as he's slow to anger, but once he gets angry... Oh, yeah. Watch things will happen, but he, again, is super loyal to Romeo. Yes. Um, the kinship is real. Yeah, and he... The part of the beginning of the play is him talking to Romeo's parents about being worried about how depressed Romeo is. Yeah, it's like I've like, seen him. Yeah, I'm worried about him. I'm his friend. I will try and find out what's happening. Yeah, and know, like his parents like actually like say to him like, "Can you figure out what's wrong with us?" Yeah, like we don't know. <laughs> Please um, help us. So Benvolio is he's so he just seems like one of those guys where you'd be like, he's just so nice. He's yeah, so he's he's the bro that you want. Yeah, the nice guy. Mm-hmm. So he's really lovely. He's kind of like, he seems like um, the leader of the Montagues. Like, Mercutio and Romeo are kind of these, like, wild cards doing yeah. whatever they want. And yeah. Bombolio is, like, the one they actually maybe day-to-day yeah. do. Um, and then the person I left off my list, I cannot believe it, he's my other favourite besides Mercutio, is Tybalt. Oh. Who, as, again, when I first read the play, I thought it was Tybalt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be Tybalt. fair, these things need to come with a... Pronunciation guide. Tibble is pronunciation guide. Tibble is presented as the villain. Oh yeah, uh, King of Cats. Yes. So I his nickname so is the King of Cats. So Tibble is Juliet's cousin, mm-hmm. and also because she's so isolated, 
one of, she kind of calls him her best friend and cousin. Yeah. Um, like, he's the one that she talks to. Again, I would imagine he would be, like, Romeo's age, maybe a tiny bit older even. Mm-hmm. He is, like, he's called the King of Cats. He's really good at fighting. Yeah. Again, really quickly to, to anger. He's kind of presented as the exact opposite of Benvolio. Yeah. Like, they're, they're like, there's a lots of opposites in Romeo and Juliet. And he yeah. is the opposite. Like, really quick to anger. Um, explosive. Mm-hmm. Um... As the king of cats they make lots of cat jokes in there they do and in the Baz Luhrmann film they have like the yeah happening in the background when he bites which is hilarious so funny but presented as the villain especially in like movies and stuff from Romeo and Juliet but when you read the play he just comes across as this guy who's so loyal to his family super protective like Like, to a fault like it's actually problematic yeah to the point where don't start a fight like don't start a fight right here right now like read the room and have a party like chill so Tybalt is uh presented as quite violent Mm -hmm. and kind of like seems to kickstart a lot of the violent kind of scenes in the play yeah which we'll get into later, but yeah, presented as a foil to Benvolio. Um, he's just really fun as well. He takes himself super seriously, which yeah. is almost funny because other people were paying him out and he just takes everything real literally. Yeah. He's like, I don't care what you say. <sighs> so serious. Um, then we get to like, so I put the nurse down a bit later, but I think we'll do her next because we might just see the parents are kind of like, mm. nurses, the comedic foil. Yes. She's hilarious. Yeah. She's like presented as the commoner. Mm-hmm. She's actually got like kind of a really sad story. She does. She's presented as being really bawdy, like yeah. like really bawdy humor, quite crude. Yeah. But she genuinely cares about Juliet. She does. So she had a child about the same age as Juliet, who she lost in yeah. like in as an infant. Um, and so that's while she while she yeah, while she still had milk coming through, that's how she became nurse for Juliet. And I think when she looks at Juliet, she sees her own daughter. She even yeah. mentions it a few times, like mentions her daughter's name, yeah. and you know, it's kind of like, oh, my daughter would have been, you know, thirteen. About the same age as she, yeah. And like that sort of thing. And when so you she's... read between the lines of that, it's really sad. But they yeah. kind of present her as this, like, um, we need a bit of a strong, funny woman who, yeah. like, you know, gets attention reliever. Yeah, yeah. And she, she is like incredibly strong. She loves Juliet with all her heart. She would do anything to make sure that Juliet's okay. And she does. Like, she really does. She does. And she's also like Juliet's, besides Tibalt, like, yeah, her mother, but also her best friend because she doesn't yeah. have friends. Yeah. Um, she's very sheltered. The nurses who she confides in yeah. and who helps her at all times. Um, so then we have Friar Lawrence, who, as we kind of already briefly mentioned, is a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will talk about later. He comes up with the world's dumbest plan. Like, yeah. seriously, slap this guy across the face. This guy, this guy is dumb. He is, like, kind of, like, Romeo's confidant. Yeah. But he also appears, like, talking to Paris. Yeah. And uh, Juliet goes to speak to him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is kind of, like, connected to Romeo's family in some yeah. way. Yeah. They don't ever really super. No. What is established is that he is good with plants and herbs. Yes, a lot. He can create like tinctures and potions and stuff to like you know ease migraines and weird things like that. But that becomes significant later on. Yes. And then we have Prince Escalus, who they just refer to as Prince the all prince. the time. He is like I I explain him to kids is like all right he's like the mayor of the yeah. town. He's like the big boss man. Mm-hmm. Um, when he says I'm sick of you fighting you. 
Yeah. And watch yourself. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I, I got to listen. He's related to Mercutio, as we said. So those two are kinsmen. Um, and so they kind of, a, he kind of is aloof to everything. He kind of comes in at the beginning when they're all fighting and he lays down the law and he comes in at the middle and then he comes in at the end and kind of he's the one who doles out the punishments and they kind of use him as like a way to move the plot along almost like yeah. if you do this again this will happen mm-hmm. um, and oh now this happened here's the punishment yeah. so he's kind of used as like a expository tool to like yeah. move the plot along yeah. and the reason why I said the parents were meh is because except for Juliet's dad mm-hmm. the parents don't super come into it like well Romeo's parents though they yeah. come in at the beginning yeah like oh Lord and Lady Montague worried about a son yeah don't get involved in the fight and then we pretty much don't hear about them until the end of the play yeah um Lord and Lady Capulet we hear about a little bit more as we go into when we do the plot because they kind of are involved obviously in trying to marry Juliet off yeah and bad things happen Lord Capulet is trying to make some kind of political or financial deal mm-hmm. and so yeah like we'll go into that in the plot but um, the mothers don't really enter into the plot at all Lady Montague you literally don't hear from from I think it's like when scene one until the very end of the play yeah. and it's because she died yeah. hashtag spoilers by the way spoilers. hashtag spoilers um, yeah so the parents are kind of like besides Lord Capulet I guess you're kind of like oh yeah the parents like Romeo's parents yeah. are there yeah. like, and um, Lord Capulet kind of represents the patriarchal society, I guess, doesn't he? It's just yeah. like, this would be, you would imagine what it would be like. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, plot summary, and I realise this is why we said we split it into two, because we've already been going for almost 50 minutes, and, yeah. we're, and we're only giving you a brief plot summary. Shockingly, and I love to freak kids out with this, because they usually know the plot line of Romeo and Juliet, yeah. even before you talk about it, or at least think they do. Oh, they die at the end. Hashtag spoilers. Um... Spoilers miss. Everybody knows that's the plot line for Romeo and Juliet, guys. Like, it's not a spoiler. And it's literally told to us in the first. Yeah, they tell you in the in the prologue. Yeah. But you you tell them, you're like, okay, what you probably don't realise is this whole massive, dramatic, angsty story takes place over five days. Uh-huh. Literally five. So in the plot, we're going to tell you what happens per day. Uh-huh. Um, there's lots of different places on the internet you can get like the breakdown of, like morning, afternoon, evening. Like you, can li- they can literally split up the play like that. It mm-hmm. gets a little bit confusing right at the end. Yeah. Um, because things kind of happen like over the night into the morning, so you kind of like, well, we swap to a day somewhere in here, but yeah, things kind of happen as with all Shakespeare plays, slowly at the start and, and then really quick. Yeah, and that's what they say. Like you know, oh, they get a bit bored. They're like, oh, whatever. Okay, they hit each other, and then everything's like bam, bam, bam. Like you get. The end of that show, so it looked holy crap! Yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. Okay, so we start on a Sunday, mm-hmm. um, and basically from act one, scene one, all the way through to act two, scene two, which is the very famous so called balcony scene, even though they never mention a balcony in there, mm-hmm. or even in the stage directions, mm-hmm. um, is all just one day, yep, to the night time, which is mad. Nice. So, we're not going to split it into acts and scenes because then we would literally be here for the rest of our life. So, we're yes. going to try and give you a day by day play. Briefly, can't bring me. Okay, so something. Here we go. Okay, we start with the street fight. Yeah, street fight. The boys. The boys. If you've seen fight, the, fight, the, yeah, fight. if you've seen the um the Basil movie, yeah. that's what you're the boys. The boys. The boys. Um, so the Montagues and Capulets meet on the street. They exchange. Did you bite your thumb on me, sir? Blah, 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 blah. What did you say about my master? What did you say about my master? Oh, I'm gonna kill you. Oh, Hold down, bitches. And they basically have this political conversation where they're like. 
if I say yes, we're not supposed to fight each other. How do we start this fight with these people without getting into trouble? They fight, it turns into a massive brawl, and they mention like the streets being in chaos and stuff, so like commoners or innocent people get caught in the crossfire. And <laughs> Princess Gallus is like, super bad. If you like, ever disturb our streets again, your lives shall pay the forfeit of the peace. Can you tell our brothers play? Oh look. Wouldn't, um, wouldn't have realized. I know, right? So he's basically like, if you do this again, whoever started the fight, they did. You did. Yeah. He's like, that's it. You done did that. And then we and then we suddenly skip to Rogo, who's like, oh, I'm in love with Rosaline and I'm so she doesn't her. love me and I you should let me lay sad with her. I just can't. I just want to have I'm sex with her and she won't have sex with me. My life is ruined. Yeah. I feel like Romeo could kind of be an incel. Except he gets Yeah. Um, so I literally wrote Romeo is in love with Rosalind. Boohoo. Yeah. <laughs> We're so sad for him. We're not. Like, dude, no. He's seen her once and, like, he's just, just obsessed. Like, he thinks she's hot. Chill. Chill down. So, uh, then Paris asks to marry Juliet. Yeah, ask, ask, not her, of course, because we don't care what she wants. Oh, no. Ask her dad. Yes. But dad's like, you know what? We're she's wait. only 12. Yeah. So maybe wait till she's like, I don't know, 13, 14. Yeah. Two yeah. more summers. Yeah. Just wait. Let's let's give it some and time. And in amongst that, the boys, Benvolio, has gone to see Romeo. Oh my God, because he talked to his parents. Why are you so sad? Oh, I'm in love with her. She doesn't love me. Hey, random messenger person who can't read, which is super sad. Like, yeah. He, he literally is like, I can't read this letter. Can you please read it for me? And it's just so sad. You would give, why would you give a messenger who can't read a letter the to go read of... And like, he's literally like, go invite these people. He's like, I can't read. Uh, I can't read. So that's how they find out about the party. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Romeo's like, oh my God, Rosaline's invited. They decide to get They crash. decide to go. Uh, Capula also invites Paris to the party. Yeah. Because he hasn't actually officially met Juliet. Yeah. And, you know. But he's good time. But he likes what he's heard of her. Yeah, he's like, she sounds good. So then Juliet's mum, Lady Capula, is like, sorry, we've got this idea for you to marry Paris. Uh, what do you mean? Think, how do you feel about it? And Juliet's like, well, I'm 12, so I haven't, again, I, I was playing like with my baby. Yeah. And he's like, I haven't thought about marriage, but obediently, because she's a good daughter at the beginning, mm-hmm. She's like, if you want me to, I'll think I'll, about it. I'll, like, I'll think about it, basically. Like, if you it. want it, I'll, I'll do it. I'll meet with him. Yeah. So then we meet Mercutio, who is mad about <laughs> Romeo. Why are you so, why are you so down, bro? Because remember, they're getting ready to go to the party. Yeah. Um, Romeo's like, at this, I'm so sad. At this point, I imagine Mercutio like sack tacking him and being like, yeah, like this, this is where you always used to be. Like, yeah. come on, I'm so sick of you. And he literally is like. Like, he's like, oh, you know, right, you're like Cupid, rise above, like, you know, the wings of love. And it was kind of Romeo's like, I can't, under love's heavy burden, do I sink? And, and Makisha is just like, dude, my God. I'm so sick of, oh, I'm so sick of We're going to this party it. and you were going to forget about her. He has this very long, very famous speech about Queen Mad, where he mm-hmm. says, I had this dream, and he goes into this massive thing, which we'll talk about in the analysis section. Mm-hmm. Massive speech. Which Romeo's like, I don't understand what you're saying to me. And I feel like by the end, Mikisha's like, I don't really know either. I just started talking and continued talking and yeah. I don't know where I am right and now. And I have really weird dreams. And Benvolio's like, hey guys, we're going to miss the party. So they they go. Romeo and Juliet see each other. Who's yeah. that girl over there? Who's that boy over there? Now we're in love. Mm-hmm. And then they, they meet. They have a very brief 14 kind of line sonnet conversation. Again, we'll talk about later analysis. They meet. Now they're in love. 
And then Romeo's like, uh, his friend's like, oh my god, they've discovered us at the party, we need to leave. Uh, and they suddenly realise that, oh no, he's a Montague, she's a Capulet, but it's too late. Mary, the damage has been done, uh-huh. and now they're in love, uh-huh. and fate they, has been set in motion. That whole one time. That one time. And that was enough to and fall in love. And this is what I keep saying. I'm like, the kid's like, it's so dumb. You kiss them one time. I'm like, yes, but this is Shakespeare. Yeah. And so you didn't have physical contact. Yeah. Like, so, you know, you literally were chaperoned everywhere you went with your date, even with your future husband. So, yeah, they kissed one time. Like, that's for realsies. In amongst this, Tybalt has seen Romeo at the party and is super mad, but has been told by his uncle, Lord Capulet, like, chill down, let it go. But Tybalt's like, foreshadowing. I'm I'm going to get you later. Fight him. Later, it's going to be bad. So, still the same day, but now at night time, Romeo... And I'm like stalker, stalker, stalker like, sneaks back. So left the party. He leaves his friends, abandons the boys. Yeah, he pink panthers it. Yeah, he like legs it over the garden wall. Comes back. She's like, I need blah blah blah. Oh, I'm having a soliloquy by myself. She doesn't know Romeo's there. I'm like, he stalks her. He stands underneath her window. If there's a balcony, whatever. It's and creepy. listens to her talking to herself. It's and if that happened now, he was like, I'm gonna call the police. Yeah. It's not romantic. It's freaking weird. Yeah. Um. But then they, he reveals himself there. I love you. I love you. Hey, if you're serious, let's get married. They agree to get married the next yeah. day. Because, you know, as you do, by 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, yeah, I'll I'm going to hear for you. from you. Yeah, so now we're Monday. Yeah. So that was all Sunday. Monday. So literally Monday morning, Romeo mm-hmm. hasn't been home yet. He leaves Juliet's house, goes straight to see Fry Lawrence. Is mm-hmm. like, hey, remember how I said I was in love with that girl? Forget oh, yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. yeah, forget her. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, we've, we've but that was her. yesterday. Yeah, no, but don't worry about it. I'm in love with somebody oh, else. Oh, okay. And also, did I forget to mention that she's the daughter of Capulet? Oh, and I want to marry her. I'm going to marry her. But don't you guys hate that? It doesn't matter. And this is why Fry Lawrence is an idiot. In his brain, he's like, hmm. If I arrange this marriage and it stops the fight, I'll be the hero. Yeah. Good idea. Let's go with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, you're a moron. You're an idiot. This won't work. So Fry Lawrence is like, He's... you were in love with somebody else yesterday, but you know what? I'm going to go with that. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, it's good. I'm up for it. Um, so Benvolio and Mikisho can't find Romeo. Um, Where is that guy? They're trying to find him desperately and um, want to see, like, What's he gonna do about Tibalt challenging him? Because already, I remember the like he's left, and then they're like Tibalt has already after the night of his party, already in the morning mm-hmm. before nine o'clock. So we haven't had the marriage arrangement yet. Sent a letter to Romeo's father's house to challenge him to a duel. Yep, and he's like, crash my party. I told you, I told you, I'm coming for you. Um, it's like the quickest turnabout of foreshadowing in the history of the world. So good. So good. Um, Romeo finds them, but then nurse arrives before they can actually ask. Which, they spend so much time telling dumb jokes about sex and shit, and hey, like, oh, you seem happy now, then yeah. they don't tell him the super no, important information. No, 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 because what, we know what's make important. jokes right yeah. Oh, yeah. They're very important. Um, so, with Nurse, Romeo arranges the wedding, the yeah. nurse then goes back and tells Juliet. But not fast enough for Juliet. No, she's like, tell me, tell me, tell me. And she's like, oh, I'm just so tired though. No, like now. I need a massage on my back. Oh, child, I'm so old. No, no, just tell me. Um, So she tells Juliet that um, she can get married. She goes to confession. Do you have leave to go to confession today? Yes. So she goes to the church under the guise of going to confession when in actual fact she gonna get married. Let's get married. 
And they do. Yeah. Which is, but you don't actually, what I find really interesting is that all the movies like show the wedding, mm -hmm. but in the play they don't even, they're like, we don't need to see that, that's boring. Let's literally like, come back, yeah, what's up, we married. Yeah. And so after the wedding, like we literally go from, uh, from like they go in and that, that's it. Like you don't even, there's no scene about the wedding, like no. I always skip it. Hey, the priest is literally like, oh look, your bride is pretty and Yeah, that's it, and then they get started. And so then the next scene we go to is Benvolio and Makusho are out together. Yeah. Um, they see, they're talking about the day is hot, it's like foreshadowing, like, oh, something bad's gonna happen. Yeah. And then they see Who Tibel, else but Tibel? Tibel and his and his whiny Monty. Do you know I'm like his name is Monty, it's like Montague, and it's being a whingy boss, it's like Romeo. I feel like it's I mean it's apt sound just meant to be. Um so Romeo arrives and Tibalt challenges him but he refuses to fight. And he's basically like I can't fight you, but I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why, but we're, it's we're closer like, we're closer than you realize. Like we we aren't enemies anymore. And, and Tibalt's like my you crash yeah, my party, I'm gonna kill you. I still I still hate you. Certain. And what I do, and this is the other thing that kids always say to me, and I also have the same problem is they've gotten married now. Tell him! It's, a, it's official. Yeah. Just tell your, like, now yeah. just tell your parents what they're getting married. You can't and, get divorced. No, because it wasn't a thing. And also, the Montagues and Capulets, they take great pains to tell you in the prologue, are of equal standing in the community. Mm -hmm. So it's like, not like either of them have married Below. down in yeah. any way. Um, their only problem is that they hate each other. So you kind of feel like, if you just told people that you were married, maybe we could have avoided all this. Also, we wouldn't have had a very interesting play. But roll credits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the end of the yeah. It's amazing. Um, so essentially, oh. Mercutio steps in. If um, you won't fight him. Yeah. I will. Mercutio, being the most loyal, beautiful man, steps in. Stop it. Um, and he gets stabbed under Romeo's arm. Because so. Romeo's like Mercutio. And Tibot uses that moment to get a jab in and under Romeo's arm, which Tibot, which Makisha was like, understandably, real mad about. I yeah. was hit under your arm, like yeah. you got in the way, and now, like my dude, I could have had that, and now because they're both really good fighters, so yeah. you imagine like yeah. it would have been pretty even match. That's like they kind of match them up. They're kind of like the parallel of each other yeah. on the side. They're equal. Yeah. Um. So Romeo, who is trying to be this pacifist, like, oh, mm -hmm. no, but I'm in love with Juliet. That's her cousin. I can't. Mm -hmm. We are family and, now. Yeah. So Mikisho has this kind of really dramatic, tragic death. A plague on both your houses. A houses. They were also superstitious, which I find so ironic considering the fact that there was such a religious turmoil, but they're also super, super, yeah. super superstitious yeah. and stuff. So when he's like, a plague on both your houses, and he says it three times. Yeah. Which is like again, like oh, curse. Yeah. Um. And he's like, and he dies with this like angry yeah. curse. Yeah. And then Romeo switches from like, I'm so in love to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. Oh. oh. And then he's like, oh, now I'm gonna kill you. And yeah. he keeps going on about Mercutio's soul being a little above our heads, and yeah. either you or I or both will keep in company, kind of thing. Like, yeah. one of us is gonna die today. And you're like, okay, literally thirty seconds ago, you were like, no, no, don't fight, guys, it's fine. We're family. And then he's like, so he kills Tybalt. Yeah. And like, Tybalt's supposed to be like the super, like, uh, accomplished fighter. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how does Romeo get the best of him? I would like, I just can't. Anger. Is Ro yeah. More Is anger. Romeo supposed to be a good fighter? You don't, you know. I don't know. Anymore. But like, you, like, there's a moment where Romeo is actually like blaming Juliet for being like, yeah. Yeah. You made me too effeminate. You made me soft. Yeah. Like, all right, honey. At the beginning when oh. we first met, you weren't exactly like the most, uh, oh. You were wearing oh. your sister's jeans, like, shut up. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> 
And no, there's anything wrong with wearing your sister shoes. No, you can wear your sister shoes. Do what you want. But you know. But in the in the context of the time they were at, he wasn't the most masculine masculine of men. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Whiny, whiny, whiny. Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna write But then you can't you can't blame the girl that you're in love with now because she's suddenly not what you consider to be masculine enough. Yeah. So then, you know, there's a big fight and you find out that um, in between all of this, Juliet's waiting patiently at her house. Like, Romeo's going to sneak in and see her. She has this, like, beautiful speech about waiting to be possessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Compares herself, weird metaphor of the house, but we'll talk about that in the yeah. last section. Yeah. She's waiting for Romeo. Has no idea that all this is happening, of course. Poor, protected, isolated little thing. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that um, Prince comes in why is Tybalt dead? Why is Mercutio dead? Ben Balbio, the poor baby, tells uh-huh. the whole story. So we have a recaps the story. Uh-huh. And then um, Lord and Lady Capula are there and they demand Romeo's death. Yeah. And then, oh, sorry, the Montagues do come. That's the other yeah. time you see them. And they're like, well, actually, what about... Kin for kin. Like, again. So, yeah. that, you know, whatever. So You could want ours, we could want yours. Yeah, so instead of Romeo being put to death, he's like, okay, banishment. You need to get out of Verona by like this sun up next day. Yeah. Well, Romeo, the whingy little poopy face, mm. poor Julia is like, you know, um, she's waiting for Romeo. The nurse. She's like, we're gonna consummate it. Ready? It's gonna be so fun. And then the nurse comes in and is like, he's dead, and she thinks he's talking. She's talking about Romeo, and then she realizes, oh, it's Tybalt, and she's like, oh, my husband of three hours has killed my cousin. Uh-huh. And then she literally has this like existential crisis. Yeah. Like, 12 of like am i loyal to my family or, or my, my husband? husband who i've literally just married and so she hears the the story and she realizes that's obviously complicated and she yeah. decides to be loyal to her husband because but, love yeah because you know because love and then she's having this like massive like philosophical dilemma mm-hmm. and he's off complaining to the priest yeah it's not Perhaps that I banish me. You just killed a guy. He's like, literally give me death rather than banishment. You know what? You just shut up. Whoa. Whoa. My dude. Calm down. I'm like, literally. I know. He's, he's just so dramatic. Why I don't like him. He's like, just, just so down. dramatic and so over the top. It's just like, stop whining, you little bitch. And you you literally just killed somebody. And you've done this to yourself. Like, I don't even feel bad. Like, if you just told him that you married his cousin, maybe he wouldn't have tried to stab you and you've yeah. done it. Yeah. Um, so in the midst of all this, um... Lord Capula decides, that's it, Juliet, you know what, to make this sad time a happy time. Get married! Let's get married! On the Thursday, which is, remember, we're still Tuesday, uh, we're still on Monday, so it's like three days away. Once you get um, married, you know, it'll be fun. Yeah, and then basically the nurse has rocked up to the priest and has been like, hey, stop whinging, go see Juliet, she's breaking out, so they nearly were spend the night together, you don't really, he goes to see her, you don't read anything they lots bang, of movies bang, will show bang, yeah. bang 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 and and then i think in the franco zeffirelli version there's a really awkward scene you see bum it's real weird the basil Lohman version is much more tasteful i have to say i think so um he's wearing yeah. some boxes yeah yeah like she's all very tastefully covered with yeah. very clever camera angles and stuff we'll talk yeah. about that later um so then the next morning romeo is like Oh, you know, I, I need to go and banish. And they have this like little cute conversation about, no, it's not really morning, but I die if I stay here. But maybe you should go. Um, and then her mum comes in to tell her. Yeah. One of the things I appreciate about the Baswoman movie is like, they make this really obvious moment where Romeo's legging it out the window as the mum comes in and the mum sees him yeah. and chooses to ignore it. Yeah. Which I find really interesting and I wonder how much that. Yeah. 
But that's not in the play, people. I'm getting distracted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she comes in and says, you know what? Your dad has said, happy news. You're getting married on Thursday. And Julia just spent her first husband. <laughs> her first her first husband. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm not. It's not happening. Like, Please, just like a few days. Give me some weeks. Yeah, yeah give me some like, time. And she needs some time. Like, I still serve. Like, she used to both stuff like, let me group my I'm mourning. Husband. Like, please. And they're like, no, no, you'll make you, you'll make you feel better. Oh, um, okay. Get yeah. On. One happy plus one sad equals yeah. happy again. So basically, the dad then comes up and is like, wife, have you told Julia? And she's like, uh, she thinks she will, but she'll none. And she's like, she's not doing it. And the dad loses his shit. Flips the F out and yep. is like, you are mine and I will give you to my friend. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, beg, hang, starve, whatever in the streets, I don't care. So if you don't do this. Get out of my house. I will never hear your name again. I will never see you. I you have, have no nothing. daughter. So that's where she she's kind of. So Romy's like, oh, I'm banished. And she's like, I literally have to get married. I'm already married. And if I don't, my father. And people go like, I would just leave. You also She work. is 12. She's 12. And also, there was no go get help from the government. Yeah. Or go like, oh, you, cool. I'll just take the metro down to. Yeah, I'll just go somewhere else and yeah. get some help. I'll go to the cops. Yeah. No. Um, and then also, it's not like you go to your friends because they would know and they would be loyal to your dad, not to mm-hmm. you. They'd be mm-hmm. like, go home and do what your dad tells you. Mm-hmm. Don't be stupid. So your choices are do what your dad says. Or do what your dad says. <laughs> or like do what your dad says. Or do the other thing he said, which was go live on the street. And what are you going to do? Yeah. No one's going to give you a job because I know who your dad is. I don't want to piss him off. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to become a prostitute. They're your choices. Yeah. Or go to maybe try and get to another city far enough away where you might be able to get a job but it won't be a good one because you're a girl yeah so you might be a maid yeah or something if you're lucky so she doesn't have really choices no um so she so then um paris has gone to see the priest to get ready for his wedding because he doesn't know this no, moment i feel like so i'm for getting so he's down talking to the priest about like oh. hey we're gonna have this wedding on thursday can imagine fry lawrence is like oh oh shit, shit. i don't screwed up and then juliet rocks up yeah and then paris has this weird conversation like hey i see you on thursday and juliet's like no. okay then we'll um, paris leaves and she like loses her mind as you can imagine mm-hmm, any 12 year old would and she's basically like tell me how to get out of this or i will kill myself and Here she's now. being she's being serious she's got a knife yeah she's and like here's my it. dagger and i will kill myself and he's like calm down i've got a <laughs> don't worry i've, got, I've a got a plan and when the priest says that you shouldn't believe him no because as i said at the beginning it is the dumbest terrible plan. ideas so his plan is that she's going to take this drug he's going to give her he explains it he talks about it he made it so he made it so it'll cool. be fine you can take it it will make you appear dead it will slow your heartbeat down so much that if people try to take your pulse they'll think you're dead so then your parents will be like oh no she's dead and they'll take you to your family crypt mm-hmm. where you know it'll be fine yep. they think you're dead and yep. um, i'll tell romeo and then he can sneak into the crypt even though he's banished on pain of death he can sneak, sneak into the crypt when you wake up, he'll be there, mm-hmm. surrounded by dead bodies, because that's what, you know, you had black and mausoleum, dead bodies everywhere. Tibbolt's in the room because he just died. You wake up with the dead bodies, mm-hmm. and then you can sneak away to Manchild together. Mm-hmm. And then, sometime in the future, when everything's calmed down, everything's chilled, everything's chilled, we'll bring you back, mm-hmm. and then people will be happy. Because, like, surprise, she's not dead. Oh, they're married, but also she's not dead, and Romeo's back. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be cool. We're okay. And Juliet is, as a 12-year-old, so desperate that she's like, okay. okay. Because what are her other options? Marry this guy. She talks to the nurse when she gets home 
and says like what do you think i think after the it happens with her dad she says, what do you think i should do and the nurse is like well romeo's really good he's now banished you don't know when you're going to see him again and she's like maybe marry paris because who are the only people who know they're married the nurse mm-hmm. the priest romeo and juliet and i think romeo's manservant balthazar who we haven't even mentioned he's in the background mm-hmm. they're the only people and balthazar's not going to say shit because nope. then he, he's gone with romeo yep. romeo's gone the yep. nurse isn't going to say anything he's yep. going to stop trouble the priest's not going to say shit because nope. he'll be in more trouble yeah so no one's going to say anything yeah and juliet's just like okay the one person I had on my side is, is now telling me. Is now telling me. Which I, is a I little bit heartbreaking. You're like, nurse, no. That again, like, what is yeah. she supposed to say? And again, she's a woman. So, like, she can't do anything. She can't do shit. It's not like she can be like, okay, don't worry, we'll just take a flight to Hawaii. You know what like, No, there's, there's no there's no options. That is it. So, Fry Lawrence, being the planner ahead that he is, oh, yeah. like, I'm going to send another Fry cooked to Mantua with a letter that I've written to Romeo to tell him the plan because mm-hmm. we've got a couple of days because it's Tuesday yeah I'm not getting married until Thursday so, so we've, got, we've got some time she's got 48 hours of pretend dead yeah so it'll be cool Sunday tough however of course because of Shakespeare the town he has to get through mm-hmm. to get to Mantua mm-hmm. has the plague mm-hmm. so we get to turn back can't yeah. go but you know if he got there it would have worked out too and, perfectly so the Capulets are arranging the big wedding celebrations in their house mm-hmm. uh, Juliet's pretending to cooperate and go along with it um, she that night um, says goodbye to her mother, to her oh, nurse. Yeah. And it's like it's such a weird moment because it's just kind of like, no, I'll, I'll be by myself. That's fine. Yeah, because like, her mom's like, I'll stay with you. You know, yeah. like I'll stay with you tonight. She's like, no, 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 it's no, fine. no, it's fine. God knows when we shall meet again. You're like, oh, oh, oh no, oh no, oh god. Oh, god. Um, <laughs> and so she takes this sleeping potion, but she keeps a dagger under her pillow just in just case it in doesn't case work. Because she's like, she she's has this desperate. massive speech where she's like, what if I take this and nothing happens? Yeah. And I wake up. What tomorrow if the priest morning? is like screwing with me? Because I mean, yeah. Let's or be if you just knew he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she has this, like, and the speech is so sad and heart-wrenching. It's really like, We'll talk about it in the analysis, but she's literally like, if I wake up, she's like, what if it doesn't work and I wake up at home? That's what my dad is for. What if I wake up early mm. in this creepy crypt full of bones? What if I go crazy? Yeah. And she's like, what if I bash my own skull with a femur bone or something? Yeah. Because like, she's like, I will be, like, beside my beloved cousin Tibble. Yeah, what do I do? With his freshly, like, freshly dead body like yeah, Jesus. it's it's really horrific and basically the comedic relief is Capulet because that's pretty intense right she yeah. takes the drug um, and then Capulet's like supervising the wedding preparations there's a little bit of like a comic relief there where he's like talking about like things getting ready which I suppose would be funny on the stage but when you just read it it just is like it looks like a nothing like yeah. why is that in there Yeah. so we finally skipped to Thursday oh boy oh god okay so uh... we, we skipped to Mantua mm-hmm. Romeo, so like the letter, sorry, the letter doesn't get there, and the priest the doesn't priest. realize it until too late that it yeah. hasn't got there. Yeah. So he's like, oh crap, John gets back and he's like, oh, it didn't work, let me send another one, but it's too late. Because yeah. Balthazar has left Verona because he's not banished. Mm-hmm. I want to see Romeo. Romeo's like, oh my god, how are the news of my wife? And he's like, um, she dead. She's dead. And Romeo immediately is like, I gotta the kill myself. stars are against me. Fate mm-hmm. is against me. Um, I'm going to go. My dog's going nuts. I'm uh, going to go and kill myself mm-hmm. so I can be with her. Yeah. So he basically hops on his bike. He didn't have a bike. No. And he makes his way back to Verona to yeah. 
Hickey with his supposedly dead wife. Yeah, he goes to an apothecary. He um, asks for a potion to kill himself. Mm. The apothecary's like, well, dude, that's like so illegal, but like this will kill 10 men. Um, <laughs> he's like, he's like, but I don't I'm not allowed to. Um, but, but like, if you just leave the money there and I just like slide this across, it's like the then, classist like, thing hey. again, isn't it? He's like, I need money. And he, this guy's like, I have money. I'll pay you to do this illegal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, okay. But he's like, I pay your. I pay your poverty or something and not your morals. I can't remember what the exact line is. But he's basically like, the guy's like, I'm not supposed to give this to you. This is illegal. If I get busted, I'm in the shit. And Romeo's like, don't worry, my dude. Don't worry, but like, I've got lots of money. And it's this idea of like being poor and being desperate Mm -hmm. and willing to do whatever you need to do. Like, there's desperation on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's of really, the transaction. It's really like I like that he makes it. He makes a point. I think he says this would dispatch twenty men or something. It's like yeah, a lot of it's like a lot. And so they make that point like super clear, so that when he dies, like instant, you're like, oh right, because it could kill twenty men. Yeah, because you're like, why does it work that way? Yeah. Like that's so, so silly. He realizes. So Friar Lawrence realizes that Romeo doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, holy crap! So Romeo doesn't know about the letter. So he doesn't realize, of course, that Romeo now thinks she's dead and is coming he's like oh she's gonna wake up with nobody there yeah. so he sets off for the tomb mm-hmm. to be there so she doesn't wake up in a crib full of bones and i yeah. guess he he doesn't really i think he's kind of says like i'll take her to romeo like he doesn't know yeah. so he doesn't know that balthazar has told romeo that yeah. she's dead oh god okay uh, so then, so far oh. we've had tybalt's died mccutio's died yeah and so we have two actual deaths one pretend death. Well, now everything revs okay. up and goes ballistic. Start your death counters. Okay, so we're on to. So, um, Paris decides that he wants to see his um, beloved Juliet so one last time. Even though so, he's literally seen her like three times. Yeah, well, you know, she dead now. Um, he loved her. He, he's like, this could have been my, my wife. <laughs> Um, and so he also I enjoy goes, that he's played by Paul Rudd I know he's so cute um, so he goes to the crypt also to pay his respects and to leave but balance. who's there of course is Romeo with Balthazar who's with Balthazar. literally Balthazar. barely in the yeah. play and then all of a sudden at the end he's like friggin everywhere he's like oh shit I'm here I'm there I'm, here. I'm seeing everything yeah so they arrive Romeo gives Balthazar a suicide note to explain what's happened. It's like, off you go, like, leave me. Balthazar, don't you dare follow me. I don't want to leave you. Go away. I don't want to leave you. Go away. So he eventually goes. And then Paris and Romeo kind of see each other. And there is this, like, standoff. Because yeah. in Paris's mind, Romeo has been killed... to desecrate the tomb or Yeah, something. because he's killed um Juliet's cousin Tybalt yeah and it is that grief over her cousin's death that has killed Juliet yeah because that's what they think she died of like she died because you know grief. these these were the times where you would die of grief because you're a hysterical female yeah it's really hard it happens all the time I, I mean, mean I died three times this morning it was very sad it was a lot um so there is a standoff between Paris and Romeo um, then they have a fight they because fight what else do you because do? you've got to get your sword out you know it's a dick measuring contest Literally. so Romeo kills Paris so now we're up to three yep he lays Paris next to Juliet because which he is like a little night he feels bad he feels bad because he knows what Paris is involved with but yeah. Paris doesn't know Romeo yes. so you're like oh that's less douchey you've matured a little bit a little bit there's been some days. character growth that's yeah. nice so he oh. goes into the tomb yeah. and he sees Julia and again we'll do it in the analysis but he's like you look so beautiful you don't 
look like your dad. Flag hasn't like, yeah, you know, like hasn't yet taken. You're still so beautiful. Hold. Look at your like, look at the blush in your cheeks. Look at your lips. Oh, lips the breath or doorway of life or blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, one last kiss, one last embrace. He hugs her. Oh, you really warm. He kisses her. Oh, your lips are still really warm. And he's like, because she's not dead. But then he's like, lips take your last like kiss. Like arms take your last embrace. And then he takes the drug. He's like. Ugh. They drugs are quick and he literally yeah. dies immediately yeah. in all of the movies and like even in the adaptations of like the play on stage mm-hmm. they make that they draw that out but yeah. in the play he dies it's like bam he like because it's killing 20 men he literally dies immediately yeah, yeah. I like in the like, thing that annoys the only thing that annoys me about the Baz Woman thing is they make that bit where she's like twitching and waking yeah. up um but someone like I keep pointing out to me like her hands twitching in his hand yeah. he would feel that yeah. before he took the poison yeah. I was like yeah I don't Keep in mind, this is what it's like in the play. This is an adaptation. Different. Different. So he dies immediately. Instantly. (laughs) And Juliet starts to wake from her slumber. Yeah, so Friar Lawrence arrives and he's like, sees Paris? Oh, crap. Sees Romeo. Oh, Oh, shit. Juliet, now what do I do? I'll take you away. We'll hide you in a monastery. In a nunnery. Like, you can become a nun. She's like, uh... And she's just like, time out. Where's Romeo? He's like, oh, um... Don't look over there. (laughs) Yeah, please... Everything's fine! And she's oh like, my god, look at the corpses! What the world? Like, What's that doing? Oh, there's your dead cousin over there. Also, there's Paris on the floor next to you, and um. Don't look at me. There's Romeo. Don't look at me. Of course, she's woken up. Mm-hmm. There's the priest. Mm-hmm. Cool. She probably didn't expect to see him, but mm-hmm. familiar face, friendly face. Friendly face. Friendly face. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, where's Romeo? Um, he's dead. So now she's in. The, the deepest shit mm-hmm. she's like what do I do I'm mm-hmm. now do I explain away what happened um Romeo's dead Paris is dead what do I do yeah like in this 12 year old brain and she's like, also like distraught because her beloved husband he's dead and she like kisses his lips and she's like I can still taste the poison but you left me none yeah like it doesn't work and the thing is that that uh, oh, fine Lawrence. he's like I'm going to take, so what I'll do is I'll take you away to a nunnery because you can't go back to your parents now. If my part in this gets found out, I'm going to be in trouble. So we need, we need to get you out I'm of here. I'm going to save my ass. Yeah. So it's like, let's take, you can be a nun. And she's like, I don't want to do that. That sounds that. shit. <laughs> and, and he's like, well, I'm going to leg it because I'm going to be in trouble. So he, and am You little bitch. <laughs> yeah. So Fry Lawrence legs it because um, he hears someone coming. Mm-hmm. And so then she literally kisses him. Oh, there's no poison left. Here's his dagger. And she, like, he, to, to me, takes the easy way out. I'm not yeah. saying that dying by poison is lovely, but he dies instantly. She stabs herself in mm-hmm. the heart. She's like, okay, dagger, I am your sheath. Okay. Yeah, and literally stabs herself. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, but that takes some freaking... And she's 12! <laughs> yeah, she, so she... So this is what I mean about the timing's a little bit hard. So all of this has kind of happened. So somewhere in amongst this... It goes from being Thursday, really late Thursday night to early Friday morning. So I've split it that um, she kind of kills herself. But I, I feel like that would be kind of early Friday morning. But there's mm-hmm. nothing really in the play to kind of designate time. The sun's coming up yep. in that last because it's all one scene. Yeah. So I've split this last bit into Friday morning, but it could have been before. Yeah. So the watchmen arrive and they find all the bodies. <laughs> they send for the prince and for the families of both Romeo and Juliet. Yep. Um, Balthazar and Friar Lawrence are apprehended. Yeah, they find them both. Yeah, and they essentially go through and tell the story. Friar Lawrence yep. essentially tells everything he knows. Balthazar fills the gap between that. You can just imagine being Friar Lawrence and hearing Balthazar be like, oh, I went to see Romeo. I told him about Juliet. So you like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is on you, buddy. I was like, hey, hey, 
You gave her a fucking sleeping potion? How do you uh, think that was gonna go? Yeah, I just like. <laughs> it's just like a lot of. Uh, you can imagine the blame game happening. Oh, yeah. If you hadn't have done that, pointing. then I was gonna bring her to him and everything would have been fine. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. You say maybe that now. Don't you say that now. Maybe don't. Maybe don't. Yeah, maybe don't. Um, so the news spreads through the streets. Lady Montague dies from grief sometime Thursday you evening. You literally just what hear, like, yes, yeah, because he tells because them. Romeo is banished, not because he's dead. She doesn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, she doesn't even know about it's it. It's because he was banished. She's just like my only son, my only child. Is, and she is yeah. gone. So now we're up to four. So we yeah. have Tibble, Mercutio, then I we know where possible. Yeah. Paris dies. Romeo dies. Juliet has died, and now we find out that Lady Montague is dead. So we're up to six people. Yeah. Who are dead? Um, and for uh, like for. Lawrence tries to explain everything and Prince finally just kind of looks at the two lords and um and says like you know this is what is this is what's become of your feud like, yeah this is, you, this is your fault this is your fray like and the two essentially they've end their feud they're like so it's, like, it's a bit late yeah you know, i'm gonna raise a statue of gold for your child oh yes that's a good idea i'll raise a statue of gold for your child and they basically say that they'll put them together the two statues together yeah and they'll they'll be at peace from now and literally so it took six people being dead including both of their only children because yeah. you don't hear about any other siblings mm-hmm. um to die for them to be like you know what maybe we shouldn't fight we anymore. were being a bit childish weren't we yeah, oh my god yes we were oh, why I was, did we do that oh just because i like blue and you like red so, so silly sorry i really like your hair i think you've, you're oh, you styling that really nice, really nice. You're actually really nice too. Oh my god, let's oh be my god. Are we friends now? I feel like it's like that. Well, that's the thing. At the end, they like start giving each other compliments. I'm like, it's fuck really it. Yeah. Really? And then, and then, of course, you have that really famous last bit. Like, you know, never was there a story of more woe than that of Juliet and her Romeo. And you're literally like, but they, I mean, they do tell you at the beginning of the play the tragic death. Mm-hmm. Like, like these dark cross lovers, like they they're gonna die. Like they tell you, so you the fatal womb. Yeah, like you know that they're gonna die by the end, but you still get to the end. You're like, it was so easily avoidable that you're still mad. There's so it. many points at which you you're like, okay, someone someone could literally been like, turn out here, guys. We need to have a chat. Okay, we need to talk okay. about your choices. You mean redonk? Let's take a step back. Let's let's reassess. Okay, you just just say you're married. Just tell people, or when you realise that the guy you're in love with is someone that your family hates, maybe don't pursue. Agree to marry them. Like, I don't, don't. I don't know. Just and Romeo keeping your pants. I mean, yeah. If Romeo kept them in his pants, we'd just mind. keep it in your skinny leg pants, <laughs> skinny leg cheeks, <laughs> with rips in them and a slider belt. Yeah. Um. So that is part one. Yeah, that's part one of Romeo and Juliet because we have now taken you through characters, the context, and the plot, and we've almost been talking for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So this is why we're like, we need to split this up because it's yeah. going to be crazy. So we're going to take you through some techniques and stuff next time. Themes. And themes and techniques. Again, we won't be able to give you everything because otherwise we would have to split it into like three or four parts. We'd have to yeah. be like, now we're going to talk about themes for now, and now we're going to talk about techniques for now. So yeah, uh, we'll try and take you through the basics. Yeah. There's so much on this play out there. So much. Um, and then if you get confused, a good thing to do is, I think... There's Schmoops, there's Sparknotes. Yeah, there's, there's so much uh, No stuff. Fear Shakespeare is a bloody Which is sense. on Sparknotes' website, by the way. Just yeah. look up, if you just Google No Fear Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, it literally has the original on the left. And then when I say normal English, I don't mean like it's like we're talking. It's just written out in kind of normal-ish sentences. Yeah, so it um, essentially explains like almost almost line by line or every couple of lines yeah. what is being said. Yeah. what exactly like it's a translation into modern it is day super English. helpful you can buy the book you can get to it online yeah they 
do um, graphic novel versions. Yes, like which is heaps. super cool as well. Yeah. Um, the other suggestion is you can... Franco Zeffirelli's version kind of follows the play yeah. more true than Baz Luhrmann's version. Mm-hmm. So I would only watch Baz Luhrmann's version to help you understand it if you kind of already know what's happening because there are, as we've said, differences. Yeah. Um, what um, you can do is that the, the new glow, version is pretty good. Yes, I haven't watched it though. The, there's a new version that came out 2017? It was a few years ago now. I feel like it was only a couple years ago. I don't know. She'll Google. Well, I shall Google. Um, so yeah, there was a newer version that came out. There was a version with Orlando Bloom, which I think is maybe the 2017 one I'm thinking about. 2021 was um, the Joel Cohen version yes, so the, that has Orlando, Washington. Yes, the Orlando Bloom one I was thinking of was, I think, was the 2017 one, because I think he plays Romeo. Oh, I'm looking at my best. I'm an idiot. Maybe there isn't one. In oh, there. I'm looking at... Yeah, I'm looking at the wrong thing. She's looking at the wrong thing. Because I'm dumb. Um, yeah, 2013. There you go. Even earlier than I said. So when we say new, it gets like almost 10 years old now. But um, the Globe Theatre, obviously there's a... Uh, they rebuilt it. Um, they have put on the original Romeo and Juliet. It does go for the original three hours. Oh, yeah. It's exactly true to the play. They don't cut anything out. Yeah. But if you want to, like, you could read a scene then watch that bit and it does really really help you so if you're getting stuck but your teacher's like well we're doing the play to play mm-hmm. read a bit watch it read a bit watch it i think you can find them on youtube yeah or you could look up the globe theater i think some of them are for free uh most schools will have access on say if they have a program like Clickview or something where you can see them but definitely don't um say like go to Baslerman and be like this is exactly the play because it isn't and your teacher will know yeah your teacher will know that you haven't done it properly. Yep. So if you and are, then they fall into the pool. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. And <laughs> um, if you start watching something, it has a pool. That's Buzz Luhrmann. Go back. So try and find either Franco Zeffirelli or the Globe Theatre version. Um, like because they're exactly the same as the play. And so then you can actually see it as it was supposed to be seen. The Globe Theatre would be my suggestion if you can get your hands on it. Yeah. Um, but this has been a really long. Really wow. long one, and it's only part one, but you can tell that we really enjoy this play. Uh-huh. So we'll see you for part two next week. You are dismissed. Bye. Bye.